Today I want to look at the spiritual gifts, something of course that uh, operates within our meetings all the time, but something that also makes us as a fellowship uh, quite unique uh, in this day and age. But I just want to uh, perhaps have a look at a few things first of all. There's no way we can go through all of the aspects of this in the time that we have, but I just want to have a look perhaps a bit of, bit of a framework, put a bit of a picture to it as why challenge us all in the next period of time perhaps to read through these verses again and then beyond that if there's any questions of course we're always glad to sit down and look at those and talk about them but here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 it says now concerning spiritual gifts brethren I would not have you ignorant and uh, Paul then starts this is approximately 26 years after Pentecost round about 1960 years ago and yet we have this record written here. We also have a record of the gospel, the clear gospel message that's in the Bible. We see about communion, which is actually just in the chapter before this. There's a bit about communion. And we're going to take that, of course, after the meeting. Uh, doctrine, of course, is uh, we have a lot about doctrine in the Bible and teaching, of course, and we have a record of all of those things. But in particular, I probably want to have a look at a couple of other things before we look at the framework of all of these things. So just same book, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 17, it says, uh, again, this is in the same letter, and we're going to look at a little bit more detail on that in a moment. But in verse 17, it, it writes here, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus who is my beloved son, and he is in my case, which is really cool, so that's good, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, and this is the important part, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, although this letter is written to the church at Corinth, and as I say, we'll have a look at that and why and so forth in a minute, clearly... The directive is that there should only be one way in the church. That was the way God wanted it. It's the way that he had it written in his word. And unfortunately, mankind has taken to changing all of those things. The next book, Second Corinthians, just a, a couple of verses here when I have a look at to start with to put a bit of uh, groundwork to this. So Second Corinthians, this is the second letter he wrote to them, chapter 8. And in verse 18 he writes, And we have sent with him the brother whose praise in the gospel throughout all the churches. And uh, it's always this, it talks about all the churches, but it doesn't talk about all the churches as in variation. It talks about all the churches as in location, as there should only be the one way to do these things. Again, we'll go back to First um, Corinthians in chapter 1. Towards the beginning of this letter, uh, Paul, of course, we always believe that all things uh, that might have been uh, his quill actually on the paper and so forth, but we understand and we know by faith that it was God's hand that drove everything that is written in this book. And here in chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Now I beseech, and this word beseech means to plead or implore. You must get this right is what it means. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, 
that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And this is not variable to address. This is the body of Christ. This is not the revival fellowship or any names like this. This is the body of Christ and the instruction that has been given by the Lord. And just one more of these. We'll just go over to Philippians chapter 3. And again, just in verse 16, he writes here to the church at Philippi, he writes, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. This is just four verses of many that I could find that the encouragement from Jesus himself and the encouragement through the epistles as the churches were being established was for this singleness, this unity throughout the body of Christ that it needs to always be that way. So we'll go back to 1 Corinthians and we'll try and get a bit of framework around uh, the section where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit and so on. We'll go to chapter 7 for starters. This is the part where we fan ourselves with the pages, but in the moment we'll settle down in a, in a certain area there. So here, as we've, we've said many times, and I have spoken about these things before with a number of people and so on, but... Uh, this is a, a letter, as we say, and we can see that it's a letter of response. It's not a, a letter of starting things, it's a letter of response. Because here in chapter 7 and verse 1, Paul writes, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. And so they've written, we don't know who, we don't know when, how, why, what the circumstances were, but a letter or letters were written to Paul asking a range of questions. Let's flip over to chapter 8 and verse 1. We see here it says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, and so they ask some questions about those. Of course, we know in chapter 12 it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts. And if you want to go there, just over in chapter 16 and verse 1. We're able to read there, Now concerning the collection for the saints. And so there's, there's just four things there that they asked about in this burgeoning church, this church as it was growing and, and uh, all of the challenges and so forth that uh, early church is particularly fine, but as we go on in the Lord, there's always things that we need to attend to and to go back to the scriptures about and one thing and another. So we can see that he's replying. And a lot of people might say, well, why doesn't these things appear in the other books? Oh, they might have been answered by personal discussion. There's a whole range of things. Paul visited a lot of these places. He sent other people. But the record is here in 1 Corinthians. And as far as I'm aware of any subject matter, it's the most extensive description and explanation of anything in the, in the New Testament particularly. Uh, you, we can talk about love and forgiveness and that, but they're spread out throughout the Scriptures. But here in three complete chapters, one after the other, we have all about the spiritual gifts and it's such an exciting thing uh, to be able to look at and to see. It shouldn't be unique in our church, uh, but for one reason or another, it's a very, very uh, rare thing that would be seen these days. So we're going to read here uh, in chapter 12 and verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. 
And of course that means speechless gods, uh, these people in Corinth, they weren't the children of Israel, they'd come to the Lord uh, as Gentile people and so forth, they had no history, their gods they made themselves, carved them out of wood or they were trees or the sun or whatever. And of course their gods, it says dumb idols, but they were speechless gods. They would talk to them, they would get no response and no answer back. And this was a unique thing now, God was talking through the gifts to them. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation but the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And as we've mentioned before, this word manifestation means the obvious evidence of. And we said before that if we have an infection in our body, the manifestation might be that your skin is red or you have something rising up on your skin or if it's a cold that you cough and blow your nose and so forth is the external manifestation of what's happening inside. And then it writes here in verse 8, it says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers or different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now we'll get challenged from time to time and uh, people say it says therefore to one is given. Well that's just an old English way. I mean you may have heard in, in older movies and so forth or if you get a very dignified English person they'll say that well, one must behave oneself, mustn't one? Then all that you hear. That's the way that people used to talk. One doesn't mean singular because there's a lot of things in that. If we look here and we say that only one person can have this or only a few get that out of these things that we've read about here. So, for example, if you say, oh, God hasn't given me a gift of prophecy. Well, if that stands true, who won't he give faith to? Who won't he allow knowledge? And who won't he give wisdom to? Who won't he allow to be healed or who won't he let to work miracles? And we'll look into that in a moment. It's absolutely everything and for all people. And all the people said, Amen. So that's the first thing that we need to take on board. It was great to hear both of our sisters in their own way mentioned that this is for me, individually, that God was working with them. We heard it said, you know, I don't need to rely on the oversight for this. And very much the gifts are the same thing. The moment we're filled with the Holy Spirit, access to all of these things is within us. And we're going to look at, just break down a few of these things and look at the reasons why uh, these things might be. And of course, the first thing it talks about here is a word of wisdom. And uh, this word wisdom, the actual word itself, is mentioned 222 times in the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, there's many, many things that we could spend time at looking and reading about wisdom. Uh, but in particular, we might uh, just flip over there, keep your finger where we are, and we'll just go over to Romans 11.33. <laughs> a couple of things that we want to look at in other places in the scriptures here <clears throat> as I say there's so many things that we could discuss about wisdom but here in, in Romans uh, chapter 11 and in verse 33 it says oh the depths of the riches 
both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. But we praise the Lord that he reveals them unto us. You know, as time goes on and as we pray, let's go back to 1 Corinthians again, as we pray, and, uh, and I want to perhaps just uh, pose a few questions later, so I'll, I'll wait on some of these other points for a moment or two. But we know that, uh, that as we sit in a meeting and so forth, we understand that our wisdom grows. Our understanding of a lot of these things, of course, uh, become uh, part and parcel of our life as we're going in the Lord. The next thing it talked about was the word of knowledge. And in Colossians 2, in chapter 3, if you're taking notes, it says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. These two things that we've just talked about, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, and we know that all of these treasures exist within Jesus Christ. They're by God, and we understand by the Holy Spirit. And as we gather together, and it's quite interesting that uh, these, some of these things can happen in our private life at home, and, of course, other aspects happen just when we gather together and so on. The next thing it spoke about was faith. We'll go to Galatians. Keep your finger there, but we'll go to Galatians in chapter 3. And in verse 23, he's writing to the churches in Galatia here. And this is about, as I said before, about the oneness, the unity, the singleness of all these things. Yes, he's writing this to the church at Galatia, but it was for all of them and it's for all of us now. Verse 23 says, but before faith came. So faith as we know it wasn't always around. Faith as in essence, as we read about it here, is a New Testament thing by the Holy Ghost. And it says, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And all the people said, what a great thing. Again, like we said earlier, just go back to 1 Corinthians. Uh, this is not about uh, oversight or anything. This is absolutely everybody filled with the Holy Ghost. These things that we're starting to look at here and we'll look at in a little bit more depth uh, available to each and every one of us from the moment that we're filled with the Holy Ghost and the body of Christ. The next one it talks about there a little bit further down is gifts of healing. And there's a two really interesting part there. In this particular one, again, it just makes the point about them being gifts. You know, we don't have to do anything to earn them. I mean, yes, we have to believe if you want to say that's earning it. But, you know, we don't have to study anymore. We don't have to do this or do that. We just have to believe. And sometimes that's really difficult. We all have our own personal challenges with those things. We take great victories and then at other times we struggle about different things. But it's gifts of healing, and of course it's plural. Not just that it's a gift, but it's gifts, plural. And of course, in some circles and so forth, this gift of healing, and they talk about it being some special person with the power and everything that you need to go and see this particular person and to have this particular person pray with you and so on. But it's not the case at all. It's a gift of healing for the person that needs to be healed. Because the next thing it talks about is working of miracles. And uh, it's an amazing thing when you think about it. You go back to Mark 16. These signs that will follow them that believe, lay hands on the sick and so forth. 
And we won't do it, but we could ask for a show of hands who's prayed with somebody and seen either healings, victories, circumstances changed or whatever it might be. Uh, we're not talking, uh, it is with the prayer requests here too, but we're talking about, like our sister said in her testimony, that uh, she just took an, a deep swallow and said, can I pray for you, and saw the outcome. And I'm sure as if we went around the room here, each and every one of us has had a time when just one-on-one with somebody, uh, we've been able to seek the Lord and there's been miracles brought about by those things. And it's not our power, it's not our mo- uh, the amazing things about us, it's about the Lord and simply because we trust in him. The next one, of course, is prophecy. I want to let, just let that go for a moment. The next one is discerning of spirits. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing, this discerning of spirits. It's kind of like a smoke alarm, and it just sits in each and every one of us. And when something's not right, it just goes off. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure one time or another, here or there, either in a meeting or privately talking to somebody or whatever, the alarm just goes off. You might not even know why, but it just goes off. And it's there as a protection system for us that we know that something's right and we're able to seek the Lord, seek the Scriptures and get answers to whatever it is, of course, uh, that bothered us. And uh, if that's actively working in you, you'll do just fine. And all the people said, Amen. Talks a little bit later on after that about divers or different kinds of tongues. And then, of course, it talks about interpretation of tongues. And when we talk about the spiritual gifts in particular, and in a little while after I've finished and we have communion, of course, the gifts of the Spirit will operate, it primarily centres around these three of tongues, interpretation and prophecy, which is the bulk of the answer that he was giving uh, when he wrote this part of the letter and about trying to bring decency, order, understanding and so forth because this is quite unique. Uh, all other religions around the world, whatever they might be, from, from ancient civilizations uh, to so-called Christianity out there now, they all have their own structure. They've grabbed a piece of this and a piece of that and they've put it all together. But uniformly, there is no talk from the, the mighty being, if you like, in their lives whatsoever. Even the Bible talks about in certain places where they cut down trees, they shape and make a god, make some furniture and burn the rest to keep warm. You know, and that really explains what it's like when man deals with these things. But if we take it on board and do it as God wanted by the scriptures, there's quite amazing things. Now, these three gifts, of course, there's nine of them in total, but these, these three voice gifts, they operate within the church. And, of course, we can look at the reasons in a little while why those things are. But, of course, the other six operate in our life all the time, away from here and when we come here. And again, I think this is where we really see the structure of why Paul's writing this. And again, I won't ask for hands or anything, but let's say just for a round figure that there's 200 or so people here today. And if I was to ask you afterwards, who has had their wisdom increased here today? I'd expect to see a number of hands go up at the end of the meeting. Uh, that through one thing or another, a testimony, the talk, the gifts themselves, just your private prayer during prayer time or whatever... Uh, that your wisdom has grown. One would hope if I asked again, there'd be a lot of hands would go up uh, to show that your knowledge this day has been increased. And it doesn't matter whether we've been in the Lord a week or we've been in the Lord 60 years. Our knowledge can grow every time that we're around the saints, that we've got the Bible open and that we hear God talk to us through the operating of the spiritual gifts. Might ask whose faith has been built up this day and I'll probably see every hand in the place go up 
for one reason or another. We can come here you know, a little bit down or looking for something or whatever it might be, but our faith can be built up this day. At the end of the meeting, we might ask who's received a gift of healing today, and you'd imagine there'd be some hands that would go up as people have been able to take their victories. The next one, working in miracles. We don't always know who and where and why that is. You know, Let's just say, for example, one of us is praying with one of you down here in the prayer line and you're healed, and you say, I'm healed, well, then we know exactly that you've received a gift of healing, and by the grace of God, a miracle has been worked at the same time. But you might just be sitting there at prayer time, and that's why we encourage folks to do so, and looking up here to the prayer line, and you see somebody in the prayer line, you might not even know their circumstances, but you just press in about them and seek the Lord about them. How do you know if they're healed that it wasn't your work, your prayer, your voice to the Lord that worked a miracle in their life? And this is the beautiful thing about the body of Christ, the unity and the singleness of all of this. It only works in separation. We need to be separate from the world. We need to be separate from the religious contexts, if you like, of all of this. And we just need to look to the Lord from his scriptures by the Spirit and to see these things work. Of course, there's, uh, we hope that not too often we need to discern the Spirit and have the smoke alarm go off in us and praise the Lord we don't. Uh, but it's always there and of course these things have happened in the past and then we get to of course the three voice gifts themselves of tongues interpretation and of prophecy so I'll just go on to uh, if I can find this one here we'll go over to chapter 12 and verse 28 and as I say you need to perhaps after in the next week or so just reread all of this and uh, and see if that you can get some more out of it but I guess what we really want it's for all of us to see the importance of this time when God talks to us. Much more than that, your ability to be involved, I think, is the single most important thing. Uh, and sometimes when, if we've been around a long time and A, we haven't uh, sought the Lord about these things, or B, we did early and then we've let it slip, the passage of time can make these things difficult. Just like if we say, don't go on a door knock or don't go on an outreach, it becomes this fearsome thing, this, oh, what if, and all that sort of stuff. But the Lord doesn't discern. The Lord puts this within each and every one of us. And I always think what an amazing uh, amount of stuff there'd be if all of us, for one reason or another, could seek the Lord at this time, and all the people said. Just, it would be astounding to think what we hear. When you look at what we already hear now, and to know that there's so much more that we could hear if we all apply. And that's, that's the, I guess, the reason why we want to look at these things. In verse 28, in this part of the letter, <coughs> it writes here, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Now I want to read this next verse first, and it says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show unto you a more excellent way. Everywhere else in the scriptures we're told not to covet. You're told not to covet the next door neighbour's Ferrari, you know, and all these sorts of things. We're told to stay away, and yet here... We're encouraged to covet this wonderful thing that God has for us to seek after. Back in verse 30, it says, Have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. And of course, 
uh, those that would challenge these things will pluck that out and say, do all speak with tongues. They haven't got time to go into it today, but of course they've got no idea what they're talking about when they take that scripture uh, to fight their argument because the answer is, yes, we all do. Yes, we all do in our private prayer, and when we pray in our private prayer, that's the spirit within us praying unto God. But when the gift of tongues operates, it's God speaking through one of us to everybody. Of course, it comes with interpretation. So the gift of tongues, if you like, is in the opposite direction to when we're praying. When we pray, it's from us to God. When the gift of tongues operate, it's from God to us. So it's an entirely different kettle of fish here. Even though it uses the same, techno- the same terminology, it's really quite different. Into chapter 14. We're told here in verse 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. So we're just told before chapter 13 to covet and immediately afterwards we're told to desire spiritual gifts but rather that you may prophesy. Now sometimes people will say, oh, but tongues is the least of the gifts. Well, if we don't get the first tongue, you can't have the first interpretation and it doesn't go anywhere. So every one of the nine voice gifts when they operate is equally as important as any other. But what he's instructing here is that we seek to do better, that once we've settled into these things, if we've operated the gift of tongues, for example, the encouragement is to seek the Lord for the gift of interpretation because you don't have to wait for it to be given to you. It's already your portion. We just have to put ourselves in God's hands and the same, of course, with prophecy. Verse 2 says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto God, uh, not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And here we're able to see why these things are. You know, that through these things, as we hear the encouragement from God, the reminders that God's got for us, and so forth, never ever tire of hearing the spiritual gifts. And nothing excites me more than when I've got to open my eyes to see who it is because I don't recognise it as being someone I've heard before. And it's so exciting when I hear another brother or sister seek the Lord uh, to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, of course. Same chapter, verse 12. Even so, ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. And, of course, this isn't about us doing better of ourselves. This is allowing us to let the Lord do an amazing job through us. That's all we are. We just put ourselves in his hands and just let what he wants to be said to the church, just to let it be said. And I think when we're able to say, this is my portion, I want to be involved and be prayerful about these things. Don't come here and, as we stand up, start thinking about being used of God. Pray about it during the week. Make this a thing that uh, that you want to be used and you want to be part of this in the body of Christ. It's just uh, great. And this word excel, and it really means to flourish. When you look it up, it means to flourish. And it talks about a bud, uh, you know, what I think of roses. But anyway, um, if you go and look at one, it's a closed bud. And you go back a little while later and it's fully open. And that's really what it's talking about, going from the closed bud to the bloom. That's what it's talking about in this word, excel, that it's talking about there. Just continuing on down into verse 26. 
He says here, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying, he says. And it's really important, but he makes two points here. How come every one of you? And that's a really important thing because that is our portion, you know. And if perhaps if we're not looking at it that way, it's a great time to have some prayer, even a prayer and fast about, Lord, I want so much to be involved in this aspect of my walk in the Lord, in this aspect of church, of being here in the body of Christ in the church and so forth. Um, over into verse 27. It then gives us the outline, and, uh, and uh, it's a very important part because we're able to see the structure that these things need to operate in. It says, If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three, let the other judge, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. And, of course, we hear that from time to time when two and even sometimes three people at the same time uh, will start to speak out and, of course, one and the other will stop and, and on will go one. But it's interesting, again, uh, the things of the Bible. It says, let the first hold the peace. You know, yet in the world I was here before you, you know, uh, but the, all of these things need to change. And then he says, for you may all prophesy. It's, 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 a, it's a gimme that these things are available to us all. You may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets for God is not the author of confusion but of peace. And he says it here again, as in all churches of the saints and all the people said. This is not an address this is not a name on a church. This is every, every address where the body of Christ operates the way God designed it to, then these things will and should always happen and it should never be any different. The next verse can be quite contentious for some people. It says, Let your women keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Now, if you cut that out and stick it on your fridge, it's obscene. You know, you're going to say, who's here to say this, that and everything else? But as we like to encourage everybody, we've got to remember what's being written, to whom and why. Now, they must have asked a question. We don't have that letter going to them. But they must have asked a question about chatter all over the place during all these sorts of things or whatever it was. And the writer of the letter might have inferred that perhaps it was a lot of the wives asking and the simple answer was tell them to ask at home. But I really like to read this, let us all keep silent in the church, and all the people said, keep our chatter to a minimum or non-existent and listen to what the Lord's got to say to us through the gifts, through the word and everything else. Because we know that in this hall, half the people here are sisters and every one of them has access to these same things we've been talking about as any one of us. You know, the Bible's quite clear that women can't usurp authority in the church. That's God's decision and God's choice, and we'll stand by that uh, absolutely in all things. But everywhere else, in all things, sisters have access to everything that we do, all of these gifts, all of this knowledge, all of this understanding, faith, working miracles, praying, and everything else is there for each and every one of us. In verse 37... 
We're told here, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that these things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And we have a lot of people want to argue the point about many, many of these points. Um, but then it goes on and it says in verse 38, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Now we know that the first verse we read was in, a, in an effort to get rid of that ignorance. He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And so he bookends these three chapters, if you like, not that they were chapters in the letter, but it's bookended with a desire to have no ignorance or non-understanding about these things and closes that if anybody still wants to be there, there's not a lot you can do about it and just to get on with their walk in the Lord. Finishes in verse 40 by saying, let all things be done decently and in order. And I praise the Lord that we're in a fellowship that these things are the case, that they're encouraged to be so and that they have been diligently looked after all of these years. Um, we're going to go, just want to look at a couple of things quickly to finish in some other places. If, uh, Colossians chapter 2. Perhaps some of these verses are just about trying to make us see if, uh, and I'd love to think that we all do, but just if this day you're just not completely seeing that you're, uh, you are absolutely the same as every one of us in this place, that we are complete in Christ, that all of these things were put in us the moment we were filled with the Holy Spirit. We're just perhaps going to look at a couple of verses just to finish to, uh, to bring those things true. So this is Paul's letter to the Colossians and uh, in chapter 2 and in verse 10, he writes here, And ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. If you're taking notes, read on each of these that I'm going to have a look at because either side there's some really wonderful stuff, but time doesn't allow us to look at it all. But it does tell us here we are complete in him. Now, take a jigsaw puzzle, for example. If you complete it, there's no more pieces to put into it. It's all there. And that's exactly the same framework that this is written to us, that we should understand that from the moment we're filled with the Spirit, yes, we'll grow in knowledge and understanding. Yes, we'll certainly know more five years later than we do the moment we're filled with the Spirit. But everything that counts, if you got filled with the Spirit and the trumpet sounded, you'd rise to meet the Lord in the air because there's nothing else to get and nothing else to learn. The moment we're Spirit-filled, we're as good as we're ever going to be. Chapter 4, same book. And uh, in verse 12, this person who was one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always labouring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And, uh, and we rejoice that uh, I do, particularly I do rejoice. I, m- I remember that uh, when the, uh, Jesus was speaking to Paul, he said, when thou art converted, feed my lambs. And I wasn't here very long and I understood that I was being fed, you know. I'd, I'd been very briefly to a church as a youngster and it was just boring. And, of course, there's the other side of things very much these days where it's all about entertainment and waving your arms around and lights and all sorts of things. But I pray that I've come to a place, the body of Christ, where I am fed. And I'm not only fed by whoever's up here. We are talking about it a little bit yesterday that... You could be sitting down talking to someone who's been spirit-filled one week and they can feed you, even though you've been around 50 years. 
And that's the beautiful thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Second Peter. Again, this is one you'll have to read on past the verse that we're going to mention. But uh, in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And the next word says whereby, and it goes on to some really tremendous things to look at, but you need to do that another time because we're just heading over to James. Here James writes in chapter 1 and verse 4. But let have patient let sorry but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. You know, these things are really just quite clear to, to have us see that the light that the Lord has us in. You know, he's by our willingness, our repentance, he's been able to do an amazing work in us. We still look the same. You know, we're still not a lot has changed about that other than we get older. But it's just an amazing work that God can do in a repentant person, someone that willingly looks unto him in all things that he would want. We're just going to finish in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and in verse 14 and there's so much stuff that we could read uh, to encourage us in all of these things but when I was reading this um, the other day I just uh, it was lovely stuff we just remind ourselves of it now verse 14 says for this cause I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man you know inside of you and I And the reason is that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye ye being rooted and grounded in love. And those two words, rooted and grounded, makes it, you know, it gives this picture of being established very deep, being at absolute peace with what you have, being totally convicted that what you've heard, what you've become a part of and what has changed your life is the truth of God what he desired for us may be able to comprehend that we might understand with all saints what is the breadth the length the depth and height and hopefully as we've looked a little bit about the gifts today and as they operate later and and I really pray that in the coming weeks months and so forth that more and more of us seek the Lord that these things will be the case that we'll understand And, and I've found that you know, when you make yourself available to the Lord for the gifts, the voice gifts to operate within us, and it does, I just find that it's so much easier to settle on many other parts of our walk in the Lord. 
you know, when we pray and, and when we want to understand us, whatever it is, that if we can trust God when we stand there and open our mouth that he'll fill it with his words and the spiritual gifts, it's just a lot easier to trust him in all things. You know, just I find it a very comforting thing. Verse 19, And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And remember, we particularly looked at the three voice gifts, but there's nine gifts altogether there about knowledge and faith and wisdom and miracles and victories and healings and so on. Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. You know, and you think, wow, you know, you just think, how much can the Lord do? More is the answer to that, and he wants to, and he can. He has great access to all of these things. And it just concludes this part of the letter by saying, Unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. This is a time when the Lord, uh, it's always been the Lord's desire from the first time uh, he formed a man, Adam. Adam wasn't the first man, but he formed a man called Adam. The first thing he did was separate that man. The next thing he did was establish a relationship with that man. He talked to that man. He commissioned him to do things. He included him in the work in the garden and all these types of parallels with they could have. And he's continuing it today in the church, in the body of Christ, and we're part of that. Let's always look to him and all the people said, Amen.